wrap up our our combined story. Courtney watches movies, the podcast in which I, the Christopher Courtney, review, analyze, and most likely overthink movies and the filmmakers who brought them to life. How are you today? I hope you're doing well. I'm doing pretty good. I am excited to talk about 3,000 Years of Longing. Isn't that a great title? I genuinely really like it. 3,000 Years of Longing. That is a lot of longing. That's a long time to long. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) At any rate, this is a George Miller-directed film. It is that George Miller. It is the Mad Max George Miller. And this is an interesting choice for him, but he's definitely got a lot of imagination. So, and, and, and a way with cool visuals. So, I was pretty excited to see this. I was looking forward to it. Stars... Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba and at at the beginning Tilda Swinton whose character's name is Alethea she says this is a true story but no one will believe me so I have to present it as a fairy tale which I can relate to I have that kind of life a lot of things happen to me and people think I'm making it up and I'm like no I think I just attract some quirky characters. Let's put it that way. But Tilda Swinton, Alethea, is a neurologist. Not a neurologist, a neurologist. As in a scientist of storytelling? An ologist of narrative? I don't think this is a real job. I looked it up out of curiosity because it sounds fun, but I don't think it's real. And it's one of those jobs that sounds like it could equally be super fun or really dry. Because it's like, oh, you know, I'm a scientist of storytelling. That's fun. But all you can really do is work in academia, which is pretty dry. So, I don't know. It's not real anyway, but she's a neurologist. And she, at the start of the film, she's going to Istanbul for a, like a work conference. And when she gets off the plane, this very strange character comes up and tries to take her luggage. It's this small person who appears to be glowing, partially glowing, partially on fire. And they have kind of an odd face. And they they try to take her, her luggage and she fights this person off. And what's funny is, I actually think it's a woman, but it's supposed to be a man. The character is a man because <laughs> the actress is credited as unsettling man. And I just think that's the most David Lynch thing I've ever heard. Oh, and now starring so-and-so as unsettling man. Well, thank you for that. I didn't want to sleep tonight. But she fights off unsettling man. And I think it's just setting the stage to let to let us know that she has a very active imagination because throughout the movie you don't really know is she is she making is she imagining this or is it really happening and there's things that happen that could sway they could signify either and i do think it's largely up to the to the viewer well she and her co-worker are doing their ted talk it looks like a ted talk I'm sure it's 
oh, lecture. I'm sure it's a lecture. But she's talking about how essentially all modern science started as mythology. And then with the advent of more sophisticated engineering, so many of these things that seemed like magic for so much of human history become a reality through technology and innovation and things like that is an interesting, is an interesting thought. And there's a lot of truth to it, but you're mostly supposed to be paying attention to the fact that while she's trying to give this speech, she sees another interesting character in the audience. It's, it, it's a man who kind of looks like a ghost. He's also got that weird glow slash on fire look about him. And he's wearing old, old, old armor. And he's given her the stank eye. And then he kind of starts doing silent yelling. And she passes out from fear and being overwhelmed, I guess. And her colleagues have to kind of revive her and all that. It's, it's yeah, it's just... It's just setting the stage. But after that, she she and her friend go shopping. And she, she says, you know, there's 4,000 of these little stores in Istanbul. And I happen to walk into this one. And she's rifling through a stack of, like, tchotchkes, gemstones, things, things of that nature. And she finds a bottle, a blue and white striped bottle. It's glass blown. And she takes it to the front. And her coworker tries to get her to buy a more ornate bottle that's in better condition. Because her the one she's chosen, it has it's warped. It's warped. And she's like, no, I'm really I want this one. I really want this one. She's very insistent. And so the next day she's cleaning it in her hotel room and she rubs the lamp and out pops. Idris Elba and he is a djinn which is I think where we get the word genie because it's the same concept I think a djinn is a supernatural creature from Arabian mythology from a very long time ago but it's the same we all know the we, we know this from Aladdin right he, he tells her I have to grant your three wishes and She's pretty insistent that she doesn't need anything. She says over and over again she's very content. I don't I don't need anything. I I I can't even think of anything I'd ask for. I like my life. And he is equally as insistent that he has to grant her wishes. So the bulk of the movie is him describing the times that he has not granted wishes throughout his history. And that's where the title comes from, because it's a cumulative 3,000 years that he spends in various bottles because he's been incarcerated for failing to grant the three wishes. He tells a story about the Queen of Sheba, and this it, she was his cousin, and he was her second cousin, and he was in love with her, and he had... King Solomon, like the biblical King Solomon, was a rival for her affections. And there's this great scene where King Solomon is creating music to impress the Queen of Sheba. And he plays this crazy living instrument 
it's just, it's a cool scene. But he's telling her these stories. And obviously, it's one thing about Idris Elba that always sticks out to me is he has an amazing speaking voice. It's so filled with gravitas and you just want, you're drawn to whatever he's saying. So she's getting more and more involved in these stories of his. And during this time, she tells him that when she was younger, when she was a young girl, she was a loner and came up with an imaginary friend. She drew him and he kind of in a two-dimensional drawing way came up off of the page and comforted her when she was in her asthma attacks so kind of setting the stage there that she she's got this historic tendency to imagine these friends that can help her but at the end of his stories she has become more invested in what he has said and ends up saying I want my first wish to be that you fall in love with me I want my my wish is that you love me which you guys the whiplash you feel from this is not to be believed because up until then you're, there's nothing that's indicating that she's romantically interested in him. But she's insistent. I, my wish is that you love me. And then it's just uncomfortable because he can't say no. So his agency and his decision making is no. It's not, it's not involved in this story. But obviously he has to grant her wish. He then loves her. He leaves Istanbul with her. He goes in a little salt shaker. It's pretty funny because he can fit into any glass container, I guess. He goes into, he, he travels via salt shaker, goes back to London with her, and they're happy for a very small amount of time because I guess the, the idea is that these djinn are electromagnetic based life forms and so anything that's like wi-fi conversation he anything that involves electromagnetic waves he can hear and so it's very overwhelming to his brain obviously as you can imagine and so he's not very happy there but she just feels like she's happy for the first time in forever you know so the rest of the movie revolves around the idea of do I do I let him go because this isn't his world or do I keep him around because I love him and I like how he makes me feel. And I'm not going to get I'm not going to get too spoilery because I do think that this is worth seeing and I, I I think I think you guys should see it the trailer can make it seem very strange when in reality it's only a little bit strange <laughs> if that makes any sense 
I know that movies like this tend to freak a lot of people out because oh, the the trailer is so strange. Tilda Swinton so strange. She takes such strange roles. I get it. But what I want you to bear in mind is that outside of some strange, strange people like, say, Lars von Trier, most filmmakers want you to like their movies. Don't ever forget that. They want you to like them. It's not, it shouldn't be intimidating or inaccessible. And I do wish more people would be more willing to give just more creative movies a chance. Now, that being said, I don't want it to come across as that I think because this movie is creative, it is flawless. I, that's not what I'm saying. I don't think that Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba have great chemistry. The romantic aspect of it doesn't really pay off for me. I don't, I don't, it doesn't feel earned. It doesn't feel real. And it, it's not perfect. <laughs> it's, it's not. But all I'm saying is, we need movies like this to be made. <laughs> we really, we, we do. There aren't enough of these. On the other hand, I cannot figure out who the audience is for this. Who is this geared toward? Because it, it just, it's not, it's not coming across naturally to me. You know how some movies you can virtually guarantee the kind of person that's going to see them. I don't know if you guys have ever been to a test screening or a pre-screening, but a lot of the time when they do those, they put you in a category because they want to know how this movie tests with this type of person. Like, I would probably be put in, you know, women between the ages of 25 and 35. You know what I mean? I was at one one time where they put my hair color, no joke, they put my hair color on the, I was like, whoa, this is thorough. But I don't know who the audience for this is, but I hope it finds one. <laughs> I don't know that I'm doing a great job of selling it, but... What I want to, I guess how, what I would say in summation is go into this, but manage your expectations. It's worth seeing on a physical, like visual production level. George Miller does some fun, fun stuff. He does. And it's fun to look at. And there, the, the, Oh my gosh, the way that they have the woman who plays the Queen of Sheba, she is glowing. Like, her skin is amazing. And Idris Elba looks amazing. He's got this gold dust on his fingertips all the time. It's just so visually arresting. And Tilda Swinton has this adorable little red bob. And it's just, it's, it's worth seeing on the big screen to look at.
you know, and the flashback stories are fun. They are fun. I do think being as vague as possible, I think the ending is happier than I would have done if I had been the one doing the movie. But that's all I'm going to say. I hope you go see it. I hope it finds an audience. I hope it makes money. I, I don't know that it will, but I hope so. And I did think about something else. And I, I would love to hear your opinion. Is Tilda Swinton a good actress? I know that that's a strange question and would probably get me into fights in some circles, but I feel she's very good at what she does. I do feel like she's the same type of character a lot. And is this character Tilda Swinton? I don't know. It's kind of like how Ryan Reynolds always plays himself. Does Tilda Swinton always play herself? I don't know. I'm sure she has roles where she's there. Oh, no, you know what? She's really, when she does the old man in Suspiria, that's interesting. But you know what I mean? It's like, how many times can you play a, a pale, detached weirdo who doesn't get along with current society? Doesn't go along, you know? Come on, Tilda. You're better than that. Interesting. Anyhow, those are my thoughts on 3,000 Years of Longing. Worth seeing? Definitely. I'm going to come out, I'm going to have to come up with a better rating system because I thought about it and I don't think five is enough. I think like five stars is, I think I need more detail than that. I'm probably going to have to do a 10, you know, because some movies are just a 6.5 out of 10. You know what I mean? That's probably where I'd put this actually. Maybe a seven. 7 out of 10? Yeah, we'll go with that. Anyway, I hope you have a marvelous rest of your day. And right now, I'm jamming on Against All Odds by Phil Collins. And still reading, as I said in the invitation episode, I'm still reading My Darling Husband by Kimberly Bell. What are you up to? <laughs> Hopefully something awesome. You have a, you have a wonderful rest of your day. I'll see you guys in the next one. See you at the movies.